Do you remember the first time you forgave someone? You were probably a kid, right? I'm guessing you were probably a kid. And it was probably your brother or your sister. Unless you didn't have siblings, then it was probably your cousin. Unless you didn't have cousins, then it was probably your friend. Unless you didn't have friends. And if you didn't have any of those, I am available for counseling. Or at least to be your friend. (laughs) You know the scenario as a kid. Your big brother takes something from your hands. He takes a toy right out of your hands. You start to cry or yell. So mom comes running, assesses the situation in her motherly wisdom, sees that older kid with the toy in the hand. What did you do? What happened? And you know that sibling initially denies, but moms can just pull the truth out. And so, so finally the older sibling fesses up and uh, says, you need to apologize to your younger brother. So with all the sincerity a six-year-old boy can muster, you know, the, the boy says, I'm sorry. Hey, try again. Check your tone, right? I'm sorry. And then what does mom do but turn and look at you, the younger sibling, and says, And what do you say? I forgive you. That's right. (laughs) Forgiveness, just like that. You know, mom then uh, turns, walks away. Your pouty face turns into this twisted smile. You look at your older sibling because the toy that he had in his hand, you actually stole from his room without him knowing. And you actually broke the toy and he took it from you to try and fix it, but mom doesn't know that, right? So the younger sibling gets away with it once again. Tale as old as time. You say you're sorry, and the other person is told to forgive. That's how it's supposed to be anyway. That's a nice idea. It's how so many of us were taught by our loving parents and our teachers to handle forgiveness, except forgiveness really isn't that simple as you get older now, is it? It's not that easy, is it? No. But I think one of the problems we have is that most of us carry this childlike practice of forgiveness and this view of forgiveness with us as we're trying to navigate adult size issues. It doesn't translate. It doesn't, it doesn't mesh. It doesn't compute. It seems like it doesn't just fit. Now, last week we talked about the truth that because we are a forgiven people, we're also called to be a forgiving people. It's not optional. We are commanded, we are told by God himself that we must forgive as he has forgiven us. And we talked last week about how it's both a decision and a process. It sometimes takes time. It sometimes takes a lot of time. It's not just you do it and you're done like we like to think when we're a kid, sometimes it's a bit more involved. Because there's this forgiveness journey we all go on. It's, we use this image of a hose, how we're connected to the source, which is God. He's the source of forgiveness. And we open ourselves up to him. His forgiveness flows to us. But because his forgiveness flows to us, we then need to allow his forgiveness to flow through us to those who have hurt or wronged us. And if you tuned in last week, you know I kind of issued us all a challenge to take inventory 
to look back into our own personal archives of all the hurt and the people who have hurt us and to start to write them down and to make a list. That's how we were starting to make the decision to release to God and begin this process of forgiveness. But I kind of wonder, I wonder if as you are doing that, as you are starting to relive those painful moments and write them down, if some resistance to this idea of forgiveness kind of bubbled up inside of you. I wonder if you make that decision to forgive, but you start that process and you realize what it takes, and you realize once again all those pains that had happened to you, and you're like, I, I don't know. And like we talked about last week, sometimes our hose can be twisted and knotted and kinked and it stops because we kind of want the forgiveness just to stay with us and not necessarily also go out of us. We get a little kink or a knot in our hose. So why is it? Why is it so hard to forgive others? And if we know that we must forgive How in the world can we ever work through these difficulties to to get to that place where we can actually allow that forgiveness to flow through us freely to people who have hurt us deeply? That's the purpose of our time today. To name and acknowledge for ourselves those things that are causing that resistance, those knots, those kinks in the hose. And then we will allow God's Word to guide us forward on this path and this process of forgiveness. So as I was doing this exercise of writing down all those wrongs, some some feelings, some thoughts bubbled up in me, and then I reflected on maybe some others that some of us may have as we do this journey. And so what are some of those barriers? This is perhaps something that you found yourself saying as you were making that list. Well, I want that person to pay for what they did. You know, I want, I want them to pay for what they did to me and how they, they hurt me. Or if I forgive them, it kind of feels like they win. That doesn't sit well. I, I feel like I'm letting them off the hook. If, if I forgive them, then it kind of makes it seem like what they did was acceptable and it absolutely was not. Maybe you said, they don't deserve my forgiveness. Not a chance. Or this one, this is the one that struck a chord with me uh, loudest. This is where I kind of tend to fall. I'll forgive them, but I'm first waiting for them to own what they did. I want them to ask me for it, and then I'll give it. But no way will I give it to them on my own accord. Or perhaps it's, I just can't go there again. I do not want to drudge up all those negative and painful feelings again. I want to leave it in the past and just try and bury it down and move on. There's no good in burying up that dirt. Or for some, maybe you've longed to forgive. Maybe you've tried to forgive. Maybe you've been praying daily for forgiveness, but you just feel like you still aren't there. And so it feels impossible. And because it feels impossible, why continue? I wonder if any of those resonate with you. I wonder if a few of those resonate with you, or maybe all of them at some point in your life has resonated with you. This is tough, soul-searching stuff we're dealing with here, and 
we're all longing for freedom, but we have to acknowledge that the mountain in front of us sometimes just feels too steep to climb. And frankly, a lot of times, most of the times, we never ask for that mountain to be there. It just seems too painful. We didn't sign up for this. And yet God commands us to scale that mountain and forgive. So to make sense of this, we have to remember who our God is. I'm going to hear a quote from Lisa, the author of this book, and then we're going to go to God's Word and see what God's true Word has to say for us. And Lisa sets up our passage well here. She says, I know forgiveness can be excruciatingly hard. It can seem like one of the most unfair of all of God's commands. But we must remember who is asking us to forgive. It's God. He is the Father of compassion and He is the God of all comfort. So God's commands to forgive, it's not absent from His compassion or His comfort. On page 226 in the book for those following along. If you want to parse that idea out even more, God's command to forgive, it's not just because He's the God of compassion, it's because His compassion and comfort is present in the forgiveness journey. It will bring you comfort and you will feel His compassion as you do the hard soul work because it brings us to His healing and His wholeness on that journey. Now let's see what God's Word says about that. And you'll find it says something pretty sweet here. This is from 2 Corinthians verse 3 and 5. Uh, uh, chapter 1, that is. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we then can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as we share abundantly in the sufferings of Christ, so also our comfort abounds through Christ. When we feel those resistances coming up with forgiveness, we remember that God is the one asking us to do this. And what God asks of us, He will see us through. You see, those human feelings and emotions that pop up in this journey, anytime we think about, you know, forgiving that person or, or, or when we think about that thing they did and it causes our stomach to churn, we can remember that God cares deeply for us. That He will comfort us in this trouble. And as this passage points out, we know Jesus suffered. Oh boy, do we know he suffered. But because he suffered, even more than we can imagine, and see that he was still able to forgive, we can trust he is the God of comfort. That he understands what we're going through. That he is that good. And that forgiveness is also good. And we also know he knows the pain of what we're feeling and wrestling with. Because he has been there. Think of everyone who has wronged him, and yet he offers forgiveness. Think of him upon the cross saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. As he is bleeding out. He is the Father of all compassion. 
and in Him our comfort abounds. See, God knows our pain, and He knows our hearts. He knows where it's whole. He knows where it's broken. And He will meet you in that brokenness. That's who He is. That's what He does. And so we feel this resistance to forgiveness, but we also know that unforgiveness has never healed anyone. Holding on to unforgiveness has never made our pain better or go away. Holding on to unforgiveness has never repaired our broken heart. It doesn't have the tools to do that. It will remain broken. But the God who both gives and requires forgiveness, he has done all those things and more. As his good word tells us in Psalm 147, verse 3, he heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds. Think of that. He doesn't just heal you. He binds it up. He protects that wound from further damage. Now we know all of us have had scraped knees and cuts and and injuries where we bind up a wound, but oftentimes that wound will leave a scar. That scar is not pain unhealed. No. See, in the life of a Christian, the scar becomes our testimony. Our testimony of pain that has overcome and healing that has been fulfilled. In this life, we will have scars, but our scars tell our story. If there are things left in your life that are not forgiven, that wound then, it's still open. And any wound left open long enough will start to get infected. And infections don't stay at the site of the wound. We know infections spread throughout your body and will infect your whole being. So unforgiveness does. And we also know the truth. The deepest wounds take the longest to heal. And so, we hold that truth with God's truth, that he is the God of all comfort, and we can trust his word. We can trust that he longs to comfort us and to heal us and to help us through this. And so what we must do is name the wounds that we have left untreated. That's how we get out of this, this knot, these, these, these knots of our forgiveness hose that we get them out. We finally get unstuck and allow God's forgiveness to flow through us by naming what is holding us back. By saying, God, this is the mountain in front of me. I'm not lying anymore. This is the problem I have with trying to forgive that person. We name it, but then we submit to God His truth and His will, His way, and His power because we know it's so much better than ours. I think you could sum up a lot of the things that hold us back from forgiveness, a lot of those mountains, into four categories. Surely there's more than this, but I, th- I think these are four that often kind of guide us or where we fall and we resist this idea of forgiveness. And the first one is bitterness. You ever just get bitter thinking of that incident, that person? You think of that person, it just makes you sick, and you don't want to give them that satisfaction. 
But what is bitterness but it's anger that has gone sour? Maybe it's pride where they don't deserve my forgiveness. I wouldn't dare forgive them until they admit what I did. And that's where we think that we're holding them hostage. I'm going to teach them a lesson. But really the only one that's chaining us down is ourselves. Or maybe it's fear where I can't open up that chapter of my life again. It hurts too much. I can't relive it. I'm too afraid to go there again. I don't think I'll ever be able to do the hard work. I don't know if I have what it takes. So I'm going to bury it. I'm going to ignore it. And I'm going to believe everything's okay not knowing how it seeps into other areas of our life. Or maybe it's judgment, where I don't want to release them from this. I want to hold it over them forever. I want to withhold forgiveness because that's the punishment they deserve for what they did. You can hear the ways we justify those things, and you can hear the lies that are present in there, can't you? But this is a thing. Journey of forgiveness. We can't, We don't have control over the fact that people have wronged us and hurt us. All we have control over is how we will now respond. Because the forgiveness journey, it's actually not about that other person anymore. It's all about us. On this side of the hurt, it's not about them. This side of the hurt, it's about you and me and how we move forward. We know God has so many more rich blessings for us to experience in this life that we might miss unless we focus and frame our mind on His truth instead of the simmering and festering bitterness, pride, fear, and judgment that comes from all of this junk. Lisa says this in her book, Forgiveness, it's making the decision that the ones who hurt you, they no longer get to limit you. They no longer get to label you or project the lies they believe about themselves onto you. That's part of the freedom of forgiveness. You see, what God calls us to, we know it will be difficult. We see that in His Word time and time again. What God calls us to will likely be difficult. It may even be incredibly hard, and it will often include sacrifice. But if He calls us to it, we know and trust it is to His glory, it is for our good, From our God, the Father of all comfort, He will see us through. So allow the truth of God to set you free from these knots and chains of unforgiveness. When we consider these areas of unforgiveness, we are reminded that Jesus, He didn't conquer the world with His bitterness. He didn't hold on to every sin against each and every one of us. He didn't hold that against us. No, He channeled His anger towards the real enemy, Satan. He conquered the world not with his bitterness, but with his love, with his grace, with his mercy, with his willingness to set people free and to forgive. Look at what Paul proclaims when he wrote Hebrews. He said, work at living in peace with everyone, including those who have hurt you, and work at living a holy life for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. And watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting many. We all know bitterness is poison to our soul. You know that old quote, holding on to bitterness, it's like drinking poison and 
expecting and hoping the other person will die from it. All it does is hurt us. Except it doesn't just hurt us because it seeps out of us like a bad perfume and it affects all those around us. It corrupts, it influences those around us. So we will seek forgiveness and seek holiness and and seek to receive His grace by doing the hard work and letting go of that bitterness. So if you have that bitterness within you, that bitter seed, you're like, oh, that might be there, I invite you to call upon the Holy Spirit that is within you daily to remove that bitter seed, trusting that His power and His grace is sufficient to fill that void and to get that bitterness out of there. What else? Jesus didn't come in his pride to show us all how much better he is than us. He didn't come to tear us down and hold us to these impossible standards in his pride. No, he came to make God's name great and to show us his way forward in love and to invite us into the story. If you remember from our series on James last month, James 4, 6 says, He gives grace generously. As the Scriptures say, quoting from Psalms, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. If you're holding on to that pride, trying to hold yourself higher than that person with power over them, ask God in the power of His Holy Spirit for, his, for humility so that we might receive His sufficient grace to then move on. And we also know that Jesus did not let fear stop him. He didn't let fear stop him from doing the immensely painful and heartbreaking work that was ahead of him. He allowed his faith to fuel him forward, trusting his Father is greater than his fear. We know what God tells us. It's all through our scripture. In fact, the, the I, I believe, don't quote me on this, but if you know that it's true, then say, yeah, that's true, that the most... Um, common command that God gives or word is, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Is that true? Does anyone know for sure? Kylie thinks so. I'm good with that. Look it up. Do some homework. It'll be fun. But do not be afraid. Time and time and time and time again, anytime God shows up, an angel representing God shows up, the first thing they say, don't be afraid. Isaiah 41.10 tells us, don't be afraid. For I am with you. Don't be discouraged. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. If you're afraid you're not strong enough, you're afraid of feeling that hurt again, God is strong enough. God is sufficient to care for you in your pain. And if you've been electing the role of judge we are reminded that Jesus alone is the judge, not us. In unforgiveness, we like to take that role. We want to hold that gavel and choose who deserves forgiveness and who doesn't. But Jesus tells us himself that in Matthew 7, do not judge others and you will not be judged. For you will be treated as you treat others. The standard that you use in judging, well, that's the standard by which you will be judged. We all fall short of the glory of God. We have all hurt others. We are all sinful. But we've also all been hurt. But we know when we forgive, 
we're not letting that person off the hook. We are placing them in God's hands. We're not freeing them from the consequences of their sin. That's not for us to deal with. That's for God alone to deal with. But it does mean we are refusing the burden of taking revenge on that person and we are trusting that God will execute His justice. And because He is just, we know He's also merciful. So He will execute His justice with appropriate measures of mercy. We can trust that to Him. And because He has gone before us, we can follow His lead and do the impossible. We can let go. We can be free because it's no longer on our strength. It's Him doing it for us. We're not the source of forgiveness. It's His forgiveness flowing through us. And we know holding on to that unforgiveness, it's not God's plan. It is not His design. It's not His way. It chains us down. But by believing what we know to be true, that God is the Father of all compassion, if we care only about pleasing Him and serving Him, we can step forward in this journey. When you make that decision to say, I'm going to hold these hurts before God and trust this process to Him, He honors that step of faithfulness. Because in our weakness, God is made strong. And so we go to Him with hurting and humble hearts, trusting Him to do the process and the work of forgiveness in and through us. And that brings us to our challenge this week. We've been talking about forgiveness being a decision, but also a process. Well, last week it was about making that decision, saying, you know what, I will begin this journey. And so we did that inventory where we wrote down all the people who have hurt us and all the hurts we've had. Today, though, it's about beginning the process. We made the decision, now it's about starting the process by inviting God to first prepare our hearts for the journey ahead. The first way we do that is by defining reality. You see, we name our hurt last week. That's what we did. Today, we have to name how we're hurting ourselves by having those unforgiveness knots in the way. So that's what we're doing. We're going to name the resistance to do the hard work of naming those unforgiveness knots to identify them and then bring them before our God of compassion and asking him every day to free you of that resistance and to fill you with his power. Each day, we will ask to release it to him, to ask for forgiveness where we need it, if we've been prideful or acting in the role of judge or anger has turned to bitterness, to ask for his forgiveness and to make the path forward. What do I know to be true about every single person here listening and and engaging with this, I know we long to be free from the chains of unforgiveness. I know that. We long for relief. And I know it's hard. I know those knots are tight. But we remember that the one who asks us to forgive, it is our God. He is our strength when we are weak. He is the God of all comfort. Everything we need to be able to forgive is found in Him. For He is our all in all. He is the complete package and He will do this mighty work in us and through us. So together, let's find the freedom and forgiveness in the One who has freed 
and forgiven us. May it be so in each of our lives here today. Amen. Let's pray. Gracious God, we have given this time to you today to reflect on the mountains that stand in our way in this journey of forgiveness. And we do it, Lord, knowing that this is hard work you have called us to. And yet anything worth doing is worth engaging, even if it's hard, especially if it's a command from you. So God, we pray for your strength and your guidance right here and now as we continue on this process and journey of forgiveness. Lord, you know where our hearts are. You know what we need. So I pray even now that you reveal to us that next step for each and every one of us. And Lord, I also know that there are some of us who at this point in time may not have anything to forgive. Maybe you've already done that hard work. I pray we still come to you daily to submit to your will so that we may have a proactive mindset of forgiveness, Lord. That when something wrong happens, we will be ready to forgive and rely on you for the process. God, we can take this step. We can do this hard work because you are our strength when we are weak. So we pray that and we proclaim that even now, Lord. Give you thanks for who you are, all you've done, and all you will continue to do in our lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.